When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Great defensive play. He smelled it, zipped across the field, tipped it up, and had the presence of mind to hang on. All right, we are back here on Purple Daily. Jonathan, could you actually play that again so Solomon can hear it? Cunningham on a rollout. Oh, nearly picked off. It is by Wilcox. He made a great defensive play. He smelled it, zipped across the field, tipped it up, and had the presence of mind to hang on. Solomon Wilcots, you intercepted two passes in your career, and I found one of them on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's like needle in the haystack right there, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a tipped ball. It was against Randall Cunningham, so it's not like you picked off a scrub. You picked off one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, it's easy to remember when you have so few. The other came against Warren Moon. He's not pretty. He's not bad either. So, so you only uh, picked off no, the greatest. Was, it, it, uh, well, I guess you could say that. <laughs> uh, Solomon, I want to ask you about this because you did play in Minnesota, but also people here love Randall Cunningham for the 1998 season. So as I was tracking this down, I'm watching Randall Cunningham play. I think it's 1989. And uh, he is just amazing at this time. I mean, it's third down and 12 or something. Everyone's covered. He takes off. He dodges a bunch of people. There's one point where he launches a throw 50 yards down the field. I mean, he just is incredible. What was it like to play against Randall Cunningham? You know, I would imagine it's the same way it was against Michael Vick or the same way that it is currently against Lamar Jackson. I remember in that same game, uh, later it was a third down play. He broke out, and I knew I had to be the guy to make the tackle. And if I would have missed, he walks in the end zone. And I think I went for his waist. By the time it was done, I had his ankle. (laughs) But I was able to get him on the ground and stop him from picking up a first down. And, man, he was elusive. He had a talented arm. He had a rocket arm. Mm -hmm. He could throw it as well as any of the great passers during that time. But he was a load on third down just because he was so elusive. And he would get out of the pocket, wait for you to drop deep, and then he scramble and pick up a first down. He killed many defenses that very same way. 
You know, Solomon, I, we'll get to NFL offseason stuff, but I, I love you know talking about some of the players from back in the day because I am an old YouTube game junkie, so I like to go back and see kind of who I, I missed or forgot about and things like that. And so I started doing some research on Cunningham. And in his era from 87 to 98 where he was a regular starter and then you know he goes away from football but comes back after 98, he was... Right up there in terms of quarterback rating, so just passing with Troy Aikman, uh, Elway, Bernie Kosar, and right behind Warren Moon, Marino, and Kelly. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And, and the more research I did, I feel like Cunningham belongs in the Hall of Fame. You know, I think it's a strong argument. You know, what the Hall of Fame is requiring is that high level of play, over a long period of time, particularly mm-hmm. if it leads to championships. And you and I both know he played well enough to get the Vikings to a Super Bowl, except of all the people to miss a kick. You know, you don't expect Morton Anderson to be a – you know, you expect him to miss a kick. Right. And that robbed them of an opportunity. I think probably if they get to that game, they're going to play the Denver Broncos against that great Elway team. And if they're able to win that game, I think – they're have, we're having a whole different conversation because uh, Randall Cunningham was as good as any of the great quarterbacks during his time. He was a better athlete. The guy was a tremendous punter. And I'm yes. telling you, he was a yes. starting quality punter. They just didn't want him to punt anymore because they didn't want him to get hurt. He was so valuable at quarterback. <laughs> right. But when I tell you he was as good as any punter who's ever punted in the NFL, he was. And so... Um, he was as talented. He had a beautiful arm, beautiful throwing motion. And uh, I think had he just did it longer or had maybe it resulted in one of those trips to a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl victory, I think we're having a different conversation. Yeah, and I also think part of it is that that era of quarterbacks is amazing. I mean, there's a good you know, yeah. half dozen or more players in that era who you can say were uh, decided easily Hall of Famers, and he maybe gets lost in the shuffle a little bit there. And then some of the down years, some of the injuries and things like that. But his winning percentage is actually a little higher than uh, Elway's, which I think would blow most people away. Um, anyway, Solomon, so you... you um are doing some stuff for pro football focus now. You've been a broadcaster for a long time. You played in the NFL for a long time as well. Uh, I want to know your perspective on this NFL offseason in terms of how much things have shifted just over the last week. Because, of course, our world is kind of crazy right now. But for people like me who are lucky enough to just sort of focus on football and avoid everything else, it's been nuts, Solomon. We have Tom Brady playing for the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got Phillip Rivers playing for Indianapolis. Just give me your perspective on how much the league has changed just over this last week. Well, it's shifted, I think, in a number of, of ways. Obviously, we have a great player like Tom Brady, leave a team that he's won so many games for for the last 20 years. Typically, a team would not even let a guy go, particularly when they're playing at, uh, still at a high level, as Tom Brady is, let's face it. But the fact that he picks the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right, that if he, if he wins with the Buccaneers and they win a Super Bowl, that would be akin to walking on water, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. he will have lifted – I think it's uh, it's been 12 years, something like between 9 and 12 years since the Bucks have even been to the playoffs. So if he gets them there and wins the Super Bowl, that Super Bowl will be played at Raymond James Stadium. He will solidify himself as 
no doubt, undoubtedly, it wouldn't be arguably, it'd be undoubtedly the greatest quarterback in the 100-year history of our game. But you're right, Phillip Rivers moving on, another future Hall of Famer, $25 million, one-year deal, goes to the Colts, a team that was once manned by Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, and now they get Phillip Rivers. And then for Teddy Bridgewater to go to the Panthers, and it looks like Cam Newton's going to be moving on. It looks like Andy Dalton's going to be moving on. Um, yeah, we've seen monumental shifts when it comes to the quarterbacks who were once staple with their team. Now they're playing somewhere else. Um, I think it's amazing. Yeah, I know. And, and I kind of am sitting here on pins and needles waiting to find out what happens as we go forward with this, uh, not only just free agency period and wrapping up some of the loose ends, but also just whether we're playing football on time and, and things like that that are uh, making uh, everybody nervous. But I can't wait for this season to come already. I'm like, please don't delay this. Please get uh, everything sorted out in time because there are so many interesting shifts and interesting changes. And one of them, Solomon, that it has me fascinated is just New England and Bill Belichick's situation. If you're Bill Belichick, do you look at it as I can't have a three and thirteen season? I'm Bill Belichick. I don't want that stain on what I've done over this long, amazing career as a head coach. Or do you say, what is a nine and seven season different from a three and thirteen to me when I only think in terms of championships? I wonder what you think New England, what their approach will be to this the rest of this offseason now after losing Brady. Well, I can tell you right now, Bill Belichick not only wants to have a winning season, he wants to win every game. He wants to win every single quarter of every single game. <laughs> so right. yeah. if anyone even think they're going to mention tanking and Bill Belichick in the same sentence, you're, you're just not paying attention. You mm-hmm. clearly don't have any understanding of who this guy is and what makes him tick. He wants to win every single moment of every single game. He understands history. He does, yeah, his posterity and legacy and all those things on his mind, yeah. But it's really about the moment. And I know it looks like, you know, without Tom Brady, they're kind of left for dead. You know, people have underestimated Bill Belichick for a long time, and if they haven't learned anything by now is that you don't underestimate him. That's where, that's where the term in Bill We Trust comes from. <laughs> no one knows what he really is doing. No one knows what he's going to do. But what we've all have learned is you better trust whatever it is he plans to do. <laughs> because it, it tends to almost always work out right. Is he 100%? No. But his batting average is better than all the other 31 coaches who seem to be playing checkers while he's playing chess. So, you know, I trust that he's got a plan. He knew there was a potential for him to lose Tom Brady. I don't believe he thinks he's going to go into this with Stidham as his quarterback. But if he is, if that's his decision, then that means he knows more about Stidham than the rest of us. And so he knows it's not a very strong division also. So I'm curious as to what he's going to do. But I've also learned to not bet against him. 
Yeah, I guess it wouldn't surprise anyone, Solomon, if uh, he went 13-3 and with Brian Hoyer and allowed the fewest points in NFL history or something, right? I mean, but it's just, it's hard to see at the, at the moment without Brady. And even last year, Brady didn't turn the ball over and played smart football when he didn't have the weapons and still found lots of ways to win because he's Tom Brady. And separating the two not only feels weird, but also kind of puts a little pressure on both of them to feel like they have to prove that it wasn't the other one because it kind of seems like they're at odds well there's no doubt that that's the reason why you have a parting of the ways and many you you understand that typically when you stay together that long when there was a parting of the ways it's probably not going to be pretty right it's mm-hmm. not, but it, it hasn't been ugly i give them that much it hasn't been an ugly divorce or separation uh, it was amicable um we know that there are things that are sort of stirring beneath the surface but it hasn't bubbled above the surface in any way, shape, or form. To that extent, you have to give them both a lot of credit that they maintain some dignity um, in terms of their approach to this separation. While there may be some hard feelings, they tend to get over those things with time. But you're right. There's almost a battle for this legacy. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. gets most of the credit? I can answer the question right now. They both deserve the credit because it's always a team thing. It's always about the team. Thomas said that. Belichick has always said that. I don't think they'll ever answer that question any differently. I don't care how many years that passed. They'll always answer that question the same. However, I think Tom is set up to win in the immediate future in Tampa. But we all know Bill Belichick, time is on his side. Mm-hmm. He's already proven he can win without Tom Brady. He did that with Matt Castle. He did that with Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett when Tom was suspended. Um, he, he will win again. Um, time is on his side because you could coach longer than you could play quarterback. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And I think that Belichick, where he deserves a lot of his credit, is at a per, as a personnel guy and as a savvy, I don't want to quite say like cap person, salary cap, but understanding the value. And this is something I want to discuss with you, talking with uh, Solomon Wilcox here on the show, is that you're working with Pro Football Focus now as well, and I appreciate them setting up uh, our conversation here. And I, I wonder what you've sort of found about your own former position, about defensive back and the value, because I look at it as as the Vikings go to rebuild their secondary um, they've got to, you know, do it in a very smart and savvy way if they're going to be good next year, if they're going to be good down the road. And I, I wonder what you've sort of learned and how you've taken your own football experience and knowledge and combined it with some of the analytics to to, to change your thinking potentially on secondary or, or maybe not. Well, I've been part of the NFL either as a player, um, as a reporter and as a broadcaster um, for more than 30 years for 33 years to be exact. So though that experience, I'm not leaving on the shelf. You have to build upon that. But the data analytics has helped us to uncover and unearth some things that may have been left on the cutting room floor in times past. We're learning that um, the value on a running back, is it nearly as high as maybe um, many, many of us thought? In other words, when was the last time – We've taken a running back with the first overall pick in the draft. There was a time where the Earl Campbells of the world, um, the Bo Jacksons of the world, would have easily been a first overall pick. Now those players are no, it's almost always a quarterback, right? Um, pass rusher might be a defensive end. If that quarterback isn't there, 
It's going to be another impact player. It's not going to be a running back. That's why you see teams who have given running backs these big contracts having buyer's remorse, whether it's Todd Gurley and whether it's Dallas now having given Ezekiel Elliott the big-time contract, but now they can't seem to reconcile themselves with a salary cap of how much they want to give Dak Prescott when they should have locked up the quarterback first. Mm-hmm. And we're also learning that in, on defense that uh, coverage is maybe more important than pass rush. Uh, you can look at the Patriots last year. They led the team in coverage. It wasn't really about pressing the quarterback, even though that's important, but not giving up big plays on the back end of your secondary is the most important. If you make mistakes in your secondary, you're going to lose a lot of games. And Mike Zimmer understands this. That's why they're loaded at the safety position, because the Vikings have the best safety tandem in the National Football League between mm-hmm. Harrison Smith and, and, and Anthony Harris. They are phenomenal. They haven't given up a touchdown, at least they didn't last year. They've been one of the best over the last two seasons. Now, now they're hurting that corner. Um, and let's face it, it, it caught up with them at the end of the season. But still, it's a defense that performed very well in 2019. They've got to fix themselves at the cornerback position. Xavier Rhodes did fail them, and that's why he's no longer there, because they were spending a lot of money at that position, but yet he was not living up to the contract. You can bet they're going to go into the draft looking to snag one of these top corners off the board. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that they're in a good position to do it. Um, Solomon, um, before I let you go, I got I got two more things. I need a 1991 Vikings memory, but I'll save that for a second. But as the Vikings go forward here, um, they have a decision to make with Anthony Harris that I think is not easy because of their salary cap situation, and they do have to rebuild the secondary. But also, you have Kirk Cousins that I'm sure you'd love the PFF stat of how good he is with a clean pocket, and he hasn't always had the most clean pockets over the last couple of years with the Vikings. So how do you balance deciding, whether it's using your experience or numbers or whatever, deciding which positions to pour the most resources into if you're the Vikings and you have a lot of spaces that you need to fill over the next year or two? Yeah, they remember, they went offensive line at the top of the draft last year, and it was smart business. But this year, um, I think they've got to come away with a receiver, and they're set up well to go into the draft to do that, to replace Stephon Diggs, but I think you've got to get a real playmaker, and I think so. It's okay to use a first-round pick there. I suspect that because they're so deep, this draft is so deep at receiver, I think you can go first round with the pick that you got from Buffalo and get the corner, mm-hmm. and then in the second round you can go and get the wide receiver, and then in third round go back in because it's heavy with offensive linemen, and you can get the offensive linemen in that third round. But you've got to understand how to value these picks. The, the quarterback is the number one. Obviously, if you're going to take a quarterback, you value that. Cornerback is second. And that's why you're going to use the first-round pick on a corner. Mm-hmm. You're going to use that second-round pick on a wide receiver because at that position you create touchdowns. Offensive linemen don't score points, and so receivers do. And so that's why you want to use the second-round pick at a very valuable position at the wide receiver position, and then look to go uh, with the offensive line in the third round. It allows you to address all of those top needs, uh, but you're not going to be able to fix everything in this year's draft, but at least that's the direction you want to head in. All right, Solomon, before I let you go, it was a kind of a wild year that you were here in Minnesota in 1991. What do you remember about it? 
I remember it being the most talented team I've ever played on anywhere at any time. Oh, wow. We had all of famers everywhere, not just Chris Carter and Gary Zimmerman. Um, and Gary, yeah, Zim, he was an off, and Randall McDaniel and John Randall and Chris Dolman. That's five Hall of Famers right there. <laughs> but we didn't even talk about Herschel Walker. We didn't talk about guys like Darren Nelson, Anthony Carter, yeah. Steve Jordan. Uh, I'm telling you, we were loaded. Joey Browner. I mean, we had, we were loaded. We beat the 49ers that year um, and, and won it easily. You know, we were 8-8, eight and eight, but we should have won so many more games. We even missed the playoffs. So while it was the most talented team I ever played on, it was probably one of the most disappointing um, outcomes to a season ever. To finish 8-8 eight and eight when we had that kind of talent, um, there, there was something wrong. <laughs> there was something really wrong. But we were much better than what that record showed. Mm, yeah, well, it really is a, a supremely talented team. And then Denny Green takes over after that and goes forward and wins a heck of a lot of football games. Well, Solomon, it has been absolutely outstanding to catch up with you on old football, which I love, and new football and, and the analytics. And I, and I love what you're doing now, working with Pro Football Focus. And you're, like you said, longtime NFL player, NFL broadcaster. You have a very cool career and I hope we can catch up again, man. I'll bring you some more old games that I'm watching. That'd be great. Let's be sure to do it. Thanks uh, for having me. Yep, thanks, Solomon. Solomon it has a great Twitter name, Solomon Wilcots at Solomon's Wisdom. That is fantastic. It is. Not enough uh, clever uh, Twitter names out there in the world. It's usually, like me, I just use my name. Same with you. Um, yeah. Everyone from PFF is underscore Steve, Eric, like this, this is not exciting at all. Um, you know, when Solomon said something was wrong there, like, yes, what could it be? Did they change coaches the following year and perform better at football? Was that maybe the thing you're alluding to? Possibly. Uh, 91 is a great year though, because old football, there just wasn't as much scoring. So they have a lot of great, hilarious scores in 91 for the Vikings against the bears opening week. They lost 10 to six. What? what? Oh, there's more. There's a lot more. They beat the 40. They beat the 49ers. As you mentioned, 17, 14, they lost 26 to zero against the saints. They lost six to 13, 13 to six against Denver. This is in the real NFL. These what? games are happening. And then they had some barn burners where someone scored 20 points. Um, but they had an 18 to 13 loss against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and uh, the second to last week, 20 to 14, and then in the final week of the season, they lost to the Packers 27 seven. So it, it was an incredibly low scoring uh, era in the NFL. What's crazy about that is that they were still middle of the league in scoring as a team. They still finished 13 after after having all of those. <laughs> Just really low scores and horrendous offensive outputs. They were still 13th. Do you remember and, playing Madden when you were a kid and you'd have like 40 points a game? You'd be like, this is so unrealistic. Oh, yeah. And now oh, that's like the average? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I was playing Madden 97 the other day. and <laughs> so I, I started replaying the Vikings 97 season and videotaping highlights. <laughs> What's, what has the quarantine done to you, Colin? Nothing. It? This is just the stuff I do anyway. But that's what's great is I can be like, Pluh, quarantine, it's not me being weird or anything. This is America now. 
tough break. I had to play Madden 64 and videotape the highlights to potentially make it into an article about replaying the 97 season. It's nuts. Um, but I, yeah, I, I do have some observations about that too. Is, uh, one, the first N64 Madden game had some glitches to it. One is that you could run a Hail Mary every time, yep. roll out with the quarterback, the receiver would go down the field, stop, come back to you, and be wide open. So if you just rolled out, then you would have all sorts of time, and as soon as they turned around, wide open every time. You could also throw a Hail Mary to Chris Carter, and he would catch it almost every single time if your throw was even halfway accurate. And Robert Smith is amazing on that game. Yes, I will say that. The 97 Vikings have to be the most forgotten Vikings team. They won a playoff game. Randall Cunningham came into that game, and it was hideous. It was a crazy, crazy win. We talked about it a couple weeks ago on the show where there was the onside kick and all sorts of stuff happened. But because 98 was so special, 97 just goes by the wayside. They were a very good team and fun to play with on Madden 97, but no one cares because everyone would want to play with Randy Moss. So that's why I was thinking about maybe I should replay the 97 season because everyone forgets about it. These are the thoughts that I have in my brain <laughs> during quarantine during well and other times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Uh, if you want to follow Solomon Wilcott's on Twitter at Solomon's wisdom. Great to talk with him. His insight on Randall Cunningham was really cool. And how many people can say they picked off Randall Cunningham? Not that many. We'll be right back uh, with Julian Council. Want to catch up on what is the deal with the Carolina Panthers. They have a bunch of quarterbacks. They signed another one today. Plus, That's where Teddy Bridgewater is. So we will find out what the outlook for Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers is when we return with Julian Council. We'll be back here on Purple Daily. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. Prizes up for grabs this month include three equalizer wedges and a precision milled milled forged putter courtesy of Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company and MLB The Show 20 on PS4. Available at theshow.com, which now includes full minor league rosters. Just download the Score North app. Register your app and you could be a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.